to introduce Rav Lichtenstein uh, is, is, is a difficult task because it's introducing somebody that everybody here has learned from in one way or another. Some of us, uh, I think, 40 years, I came to YU in 1961. Actually, I came, I came to YU in, uh, from a right-wing yeshiva in which they, they, I was assigned an old Altabacher uh, to explain to me why I shouldn't go to YU. And he told me at, at the, uh, in one of the long sessions at YU at night that had dances in the basement. And that would seem like a pretty cogent reason not to go to YU. When I came to the base medrash, the, the, uh, the, that was the year the Kolel learned in the base medrash, I think it was 1961, was the, was the Kolel learned in the base medrash at night. So, uh, Rav Aaron was the, was the Rosh Kolel. And, uh, I don't believe that I ever saw any dances in the base medrash at night. So, it takes, it takes 40 years, Rav says, to understand you, Rebbe. So, Coming into the 40 years. Um, the, the, uh, just let me say that, that uh, I didn't have a, t- a chance to prepare an introduction. As I mentioned to a few of you, I uh, we went to a surprise move today, and consequently, uh, at around 7, 7 10, 7 15, uh, we discovered that I couldn't find a suit to wear tonight. So I cobbled together whatever I could. But that also means that I, I didn't prepare. Uh, that's a problem. You don't prepare something, you can speak for a long time. But Rav Hutner said, uh, said once, he was asked by a Talmud why, uh, why this Talmud feels so moved by, by the Divrei Torah that Rav Hutner said on Purim, which were very short and unprepared, as opposed to the Divrei Torah that Rav Hutner said that were prepared, long mamarim, uh, connected to the Moadim. And Rav Hutner answered, on Purim, there is no, there is no preparation. It's Dvarim Hayotzi Min Halev, Hayotzi Me'aleha. And Dvarim Hayotzi Me'aleha, Nichnasim El Halev. So, I would just like to, I would just like to say, um, that, that we see this opportunity to speak with and to hear from Rav Lichtenstein about questions that might be of specific import to us as educators, as people involved in education, as in the midat man, an opportunity to exercise something in chinuch in terms of shimush tamin chafam. And although, of course, uh, we've all learned Torah in one way or another directly from from the Rebbe, but not all the time do we have the chance to to learn other things and ask other kinds of questions. And the Gemara says, "Idola shimusha yoser nilimuda." So we are very appreciative. Uh, to Ravaran for the Torah he has taught us and for the model he has set for us and since the name of the organization is Atid so for the future questions that he's going to answer for us tonight thank you thank you very much just a minor correction it doesn't take 40 years to understand what Rebbe said what is the 40 years old because we don't start at birth but I appreciate the remarks that you made. Uh, I'm not planning to say something in advance, I was just asked now, since I was asked, I'll respond. I'll just uh, say something about my situation here. Uh, I was 
friends, I was quite pleased to another occasion and I accepted the invitation to see. But not with the, some degree of, uh, let us say, discomfort. And let's, let me explain why. Uh, well, two related reasons. One was I remember uh, studying English literature, reading about Coleridge. Early in his earlier years, he was opposing a literary criticism. Towards his latter years, he stopped writing and stopped whatever else he was doing. And he would sit in his apartment and lived in an area in London called Highgate. He came to me as the sage of Highgate. What was the sage of Highgate about? He would stay home. People would come to him and ask him questions, and he would share his presumed wisdom with them. So it always struck me that it's sort of pretentious to that. It also gave a sense of a person being old. And that would give a sense of being older than I would like to be. That's one reservation. But in a more serious vein, Coming up before Pesach. Pesach, of course, asking questions very much part of it. Kind of been showing. I come from a tradition that my own home, my own home was wholly traditional that only the youngest child asked the questions and the response came to me, to the parents. But the risk of tradition based on the certain meaning of the Rambam, which is a bit questionable, one talk. Rambam has one way, another pack another way. But one, uh, one reading is that person asked, it's, say, speak in Manishtano. Everyone asks, starting from youngest, we work your way up. And of course, in the Bible also, the family remains, so then the person asks himself. Something which I think is very, very significant in that for our context here. Uh, the format was a baby with Shoel, was an Av who has all the answers. For certain purposes, maybe it's very good. There you are, there are the father, there are the bunny, the bunnies, and you give them all the answers, the proper answers. Explain to them what happened, and explain the significance of what happened, and you flesh out the religious and stark significance of the, of the day. And the area of Chinu pretend that you are the ones who ask, and I've got all the answers. And all you have to do is ask, press the button, and how is it going to become an answer? It's both erroneous and might probably be very pretentious. The kind of questions which arise in the world of Chinu perennial questions, the answers are not perennial. The answers change, and part of the problem being you know, be able to adjust to some extent to new situations, which some people do very well, but other people not so well. There are, of course, specific nuances, specific kinds of challenges, which relate to a particular cultural situation. But, the fundamental issues as to what goes into the process of trying one way or another to communicate, to inculcate a tradition while building a person with kind of almost contradictions within, within that very process. On one hand, 
you want to make, and the next shosh of the choron, you're molding, so you have some malleable raw material. On the other hand, you try, try to take the raw material and to bring it to a point where it itself, he or she, himself or herself, think, create, ask, then it's not just us, it's an asiyah of something which then is able to respond back. And that, of course, is a very simple, very crucial challenge, particularly within a religious tradition. From a purely secondary minister point of view, so all you want to do is to stimulate and to energize. That's the goal in and of itself. From a traditional religious standpoint, you're trying in one sense to do that, but in another sense, inculcate the Hashemayim, Amunah, and these two don't always go hand in hand very easily. So, coming back to what I said earlier, uh, I think that we see ourselves here sharing concerns, sharing questions, sharing problems. If I can be helpful, uh, share something, my own understanding and perceptions, something perhaps in my experience, I'm more than happy to do so. But let it be clear, you don't have all the questions, and I certainly don't have all the answers. So now that we have the ground rules to some extent established, I'm glad to hear what you have to say. to a certain extent the, the, the process of the fathering the father describing what the questions are and not just the answers um, what are those some of those major questions that, uh, that remain uh, stable uh, throughout the years as educated what are one or two of the major things that we should be asking uh, ourselves when we walk in, into the classroom or into whatever setting it is uh, and professional students. In one sense, you can speak in general terms. Any endeavor, any enterprise you will be entering, you want first to define the goals, what are the ends, and if you have a fairly clear idea, I don't mean in specific detail, but somewhere within certain parameters, of what the what the ends are, and to try to think what are the best means of providing it others. I would assume that there is a great degree of flexibility with regard to the means and with regard to the ends. But with regard to ends also, you have to do two things, number one, and it's one of the sort of changes. We have one set of perennial goals on what to inculcate, even whether we're dealing with universal educational goals or with specific, more specific religious goals or even more specific Jewish goals. 
what extent you try to prove the person, what extent you try to communicate knowledge, to develop skills. Now, these are very general terms, and uh, in life, depending on what you're trying to do, the extent to which you go to try to energize people actively, communicate knowledge passively, uh, you go to try to encourage an acquiring spirit, you go to try somehow to pacify it. To what extent are you dealing with Yira, with Chochma, with the sequence of Yira and Chochma? Part of the problem we have, of course, in Chinuch, is an inherent problem, is that certainly for us, the goals are very often uh, self-contradictory. <coughs> On paper, so uh, you can set down the goals very, very specifically, and all of them can gel. In practice, very often these do come from. Just give one example. I'll cite two instances of it. Someone told me recently, uh, she wrote this there, quoted the session which I did not attend, that the Rosh Hashiva of the Shivalitz, or a Rosh of the Shivalitz, the Parabesh, the Parabesh, the Steiner, the Yisrael, so he said that, at this point, we got Israel. He said that um, speak of Shorzev, small docho yemino karabas. He says the kids that we get today can't do that. Only yemino karabas. You can't even have a small docho. Because you've got to win them over in effect. That, mind you, in the heart of Nebna. I was in the States recently. And someone lives out of New York, so community called me that kept me from the phone for a half hour. And he has a son, he thinks he's a talented boy, and the boy's not being challenged in the school. One of the things he complained about, the Rabbein were of very slow orientation. He said, the Rabbein are only interested in one thing, getting the kid to high school, so you go to Israel. Now, as Israel, maybe he'll, he'll learn a little bit. They don't assign any work at home. So the kid has homework in history, chemistry, in mathematics, everything there's homework. And only in the Gude Kodesh, all you have is the stroking. You have to be sure that the kid is there. Now, I understand that. Because ultimately, if you've got a kid there, wherever you are in this community, you're in similar communities. And you, you realize the most important thing to you is, no matter how much you talk about learning and alumnus, at the bottom you're fighting for the Kishmael Shabbos. Now here you have an inherent contradiction, because on the one hand, you want to inculcate ideas of Torah, knowledge of Torah particularly, you want to inculcate skills, the ability to learn Torah, on the other hand, you want to inculcate even more Avasatel. Now, on paper, Avasatel, Yehi Satel, you know, again, Kyoto, it's a Mojo, Mojo Shabbat. Wonderful, there's someone to learn, learn. It'll be so exciting, it'll be a wonderful thing. But Lemaise, all kinds of educational techniques where you can come down very hard on the on Talmud and get better results. On the other hand, uh, 
was his relationship. I remember when I used to read in the 60s, it's cold, what they're just talking about. So that time, Vince Lombardi was the coach of the Green Bay Packers. And he drove, drove the players, drove his door, every ounce of it. And I used to read about it. Part of me was envious. I figured, boy, if I wrote these fellows in the cradle like this, they would certainly not go about so better than they do now. And part of me realized, I thought that that kind of is in me, and also realized that that's not really what I want. So that's one example of some contradictory goals. I think there are any number of other such sets, but you have to define the goals, and like, once you define them, set out what the goals are. Now the goals obviously are different very communities. I said before, you know, in, in this town that I was talking about, the Rabbeim are fighting for Shemir Hashanahs. That's something put on the table, but that's really what the ball game is all about. In other communities, they're fighting the they're fighting against intermarriage. In some communities, you take all of that for granted, and then you want to make, make the kids, or the girl, to someone who's on the road to Londres, the knowledge, etc. The blend between the mix values, commitments, whatever level, and learning, to moral education, intellectual education. And that's a constant problem, but the mix of things are very different. How much support you get in the hall, how much you get in the street. You always have to deal with the total sociocultural situation of, of the student or of the class. Uh, but without defining goals in some sense, do so on one hand, there's a sense of constancy in what we want out of a student. And at the same time, the measure of flexibility in the line of a particular situation, we won't be able to get anywhere. Having done that, you can ask yourself what's the best curriculum, what's the best way of presenting things, how much interaction, how much spoon feeding, uh, how much challenging, etc., etc. <laughs> I asked the mom to, add, to discuss the the balance between, um, with regard to Mido's education, um, the balance between teaching Mido's as its own discipline or within Lingude Kodesh, and also the teacher as a role model. I don't see those being anywhere you check out to teach you. The question, obviously, teachers be role model no matter what. And uh, this for two reasons. Number one, not quite modern. That is, if you are there, you're modeling and dressed, and that's your profession. You want to be role model because you have to act in a certain way, because that's what Toyo wants, that's what Yoshimayim wants, that's what Nishirim wants, that's what reality demands. And mainly, if you do that, hopefully, someone who is sensitive to our religious values is a male role model. So I'll say that Ravdin Malchim Sokhimotel So it's not that he plays the role of being a Malchim Sokhimotel. If he plays the role, he already has missed half 
what he needs to do. He has to act as uh, as the man is about the situation. So that's not something which should come at the expense of anything else. The question that I think to be asked is to what extent do you want to have formal discussions of, of meetings? Back to this, I suppose there are two questions. One is, uh, can, can this really be taught? The question which rests through so much of Socrates, or Plato's questions, through his writings, can virtue be taught or not? In one sense, I presume it can, in other sense, it cannot. But the sense was the sophist. They thought, meant by virtue, that certainly be taught. That's finishing school. Plato meant by virtue, much more difficult to teach. I think that we do assume, we have certainly in the Jewish world, that in many respects they can be taught. Not everyone is keen on you know, teaching it formally. There's all literature, moral education, which I suppose the Briscoe is somewhat turned off by. Some of it seems artificial. Uh, you can read the book Eight Steps to Humility. The book Steps to Humility, classic medieval work. But you know, certainly the world of the, the Muslim world, they thought that that could be done. And I suppose that attitudes to that and how advisable it is probably depends on how you think who's about to respond. Uh, when I was YU, for instance, we were YU. I think uh, you know, someone had gotten up and give a series of shulim and leaders that they would have been laughed out of the Spanish. Why you last week? And uh, someone tells me as he signed it, that my nephew Bertworski gives Tuesday nights, and I asked what are these shulim about? They're about leaders. Takes one meeting at a time. And I ask, you know, who comes to it? When who comes? The main Spanish is not what they have it. The Nigerian Spanish, first of all, it's jammed. Over 100 people come every time. And, uh, no, so, uh, some space, you know, the clientele they're down auctioned and so I think I'm distinguished somewhat between a discussion of the leaders uh, per se, which I think certainly should be done. Uh, you asked at some point, uh, should we emulate the guy, should we emulate the gas, <coughs> and things of that kind. Uh, that I think, uh, I think certainly. Where some people, by that I mean both educators and students, and the problem is when you get the nuts and bolts, we try to make science out of it. And there, some people believe in that heartily. Uh, some people are terribly turned off by it. I don't know whether you read that you refract his autobiography or D.H. Lawrence's critique of that autobiography. Franklin has this schedule of how you work in the media and you have, uh, how you engage in that kind of training. Lawrence, from a romantic point of view, is a blistering essay. 
against this, this is not the way those people, is that the world from within, etc., etc. I would not speak in normative terms of either. I can understand both. But uh, relating to the qualities as such, I think we need to do. Uh, you know, uh, again, Gaiva is one instance where I've talked about before. Uh, some of the inner contradictions that we have, you want pride of one kind, pride uh, some extent in himself, you talk about the value of self confidence. Uh, someone said to me that he went to give Hashim and the Kerdes said to him, once in a while, it's gone and she'll have to be a racial shuala. And part of us accepts that. On the other hand, you speak of humility. Uh, attitudes that are need to be discussed. I mentioned anger a moment ago. Uh, so, so what the Rabbah meant to say about anger, we know. Never angry, never should be angry. And if you are angry, so even when circumstances call for an expression of anger, simply have to play act, which is really not angry. Uh, but of course, as you well know, you know many psychologists, social workers, etc., they, they have great difficulty with that problem, because they think that if you let it all fester inwardly, much worse off. So I guess one has to take some attitude to that. But it's a good to law of steam occasionally. So there are you know, a range of basic moral qualities that we need to be discussed. Maybe even discuss some of the points that I'm, you know, the Shira, I do from time to time, have occasion to discuss some things I mentioned, Kais, Nagrin, Sergio, Kina, or some of the other moral qualities. Uh, we do believe in moral education. You know, some secular educators, some of these are, would, Sometime back, about how you can't educate to values at all. All you can do is communicate knowledge and skills. We totally and radically disagree with that. We believe we can and should educate morally. But how much we get to not support this? Yes. Another really interesting I read this article from Elliot Sion, by Daniel Schreiber, and he's talking about the rook. He says, another issue that developed, and bears mention is his character development, bring her up in our legislation, but let's comment it. And you can be forced to choose between fostering learning or character development, so you'd rather know less tomorrow. We'd rather people with less power and have greater sensitivity for one another. On many occasions, her ablation speech leads us vigorously emphasize the Yerush Hashem Yisro, fear of God, and and as such must be heavily guarded protecting the world. What? Was the last part And as such must be heavily guarded and protected as well as nurtured. And he's talking here about uh, the the author is talking about. Uh, this dichotomy between learning on the one hand and, and character on the other hand, as if these two things are totally separate and you have to take, a person should take time out of their learning in order to develop their character. And I was wondering two things about that. One is, doesn't Gemara 
or learning in general have some sort of how does that integrally affect the person who needs and also how does Gemara learning affect the person in general? Isn't there? Is that what? What is? Our, what are our roles of, of learning Gemara besides for uh, collecting up knowledge? Are we trying to influence the person in general, and how are we trying to do that? How does that? Be? What are the changes we're trying to influence, and how do we achieve those changes? I don't imagine. I would be this piece. I don't imagine that. What he's suggesting is that there's an inherent dichotomy that you have to choose. Sometimes there are speaker with dichotomy between two values, and there's not the need to choose between them. I don't think this is what Neil has in mind. It certainly is not what I have in mind. And nonetheless, the statement which you quote is indeed a reflection of what. I think, well, it's not always a reflection of what people think that I think. <laughs> uh, we certainly are deeply convinced that this is an article of faith in the Torah world. And what we like to think distinguishes the Shivish Torah world from the academic Talmud world that learning. It's integrally and organically related to Yerashamayim, to Midas, etc. And that ideally speaking, it should have more character, it should have more commitment, etc., etc. And our faith in, in Torah, in Talmud Torah, in the Reisina Torah, is such that we think that the Torah enhances the nobles, the riches, etc., etc. Torah is the one in Rahim Aspasi, but as Mishiva's Nafesh, by that, of course, it meant not simply as refreshing for the soul in psychological terms, but that is, it enhances and nobles the soul in the spiritual terms. And this is a fundamental. And it's also, in as much as we are so very much concerned with values and multi-personality, it's fundamental to the way we structure the learning program. Uh, if we thought of the learning only in, uh, in intellectual terms, we probably would, would build the date somewhat different. And that is say even, even if we have lost That's ideally speaking. It doesn't always work. Uh, we all know. It's very saddening, but all of us know some prominent of people who are unquestionably very substantial London, some who are insensitive, some who are arrogant, some who are vain, highly competitive. Uh, you know, the world, Tal likes to quote the Bible says that some of the Zvin, one is the Borasit Zahavir, Borasit Zahavir, Zahavir is kind of an antidote to the Zahavir. Of course, it's not only that. Zahavir is like in a world which is ideal, no Zahavir also would need Zahavir. But it's one of the things that. Then it also says that 
which is very specific, that's it, the Smedlish with the world of accomplishment, intellectual dexterity. We all know that. So to say that it always works, doesn't always work. And I do stand by what what was called there in my name. Namely, if I had to choose what I would prefer to be, or what I prefer my children to be, or I tell them to be, or colleagues to be. If I had to deal with people who are relatively simple, but of high moral station, or people who are eminent, but of low moral station, I much prefer not just to associate with the form, to be the form. And I think that it's partly question perhaps of sequence, of chronological sequence. But much more than that, it's a question of axiological priority. What to you is, is more important? Now, in practice, I hope we're not confronted with this, but to some extent maybe we are. But hopefully, we can try to work one at the same time, encourage a person, Dovik Pateyla, and to develop his unoven. Let a person understand if you really is Dovik as Moshe Rabbeinu, says Dovik and Anachim Moshe Yisinai, Chazidu Gaid, he's Dovik Moshe Rabbeinu's unoven as well. And surely, if a person fully integrates what it means to learn the Tehras Hashem, eternity at his fingertips, what, what kind of humility that should engender in him? On one hand, what, what kind of pride? He's zeichet to this. The other, what kind of humility? Where, who are you and what are you under those circumstances? And likewise, hopefully, we got to other leaders as well. Uh, now, the goal, when you ask what the goals are of learning, Part of the, in part, and the different outlooks from Baptists. I mentioned Pavlovsky before. He speaks of Tzeruli Shema, but he makes a point of stressing that Tzeruli Shema doesn't mean the way most people understand. Most people understand we speak of Shema. It's not of self-interest. It's out of Nevenshov's interest. People speak of Shema as a form kind. Shema means Hashem Shemayim. Chaim Lozhen doesn't understand that was Shema is not the Shem Shemayim. Shema is the Shema for Torah. So, for him, Shema is the equivalent of the Yisrit's art for art's sake, of Plato's knowledge for knowledge's sake, etc., etc. And that is one way of looking at it. Now, that, for the sake of Torah, for the sake of yourself, as a person who knows Torah, Others will take, of course, a more pietistic view of it. I mean, in the 
Mishnerove says, well, Amidu Shikra Lamase. So, there he says not only that Mase is more important than Midrash, but he makes what, to me, as a, as a brisker, is almost an adamant. He makes, takes the position, the only purpose of Midrash, of learning, he speaks of Tarmatel generally, is Masa, a pragmatic result. Uh, this I say to Ruska, to Malajna, this is absolutely an adamant. But I don't think one can deny that Rorishen thought in these terms. Uh, I would not. I would assume that purposes of learning are in part to generate commitment, in part to generate Avinas Hashem and Avinas Hashem, Avinas Hashem, etc. Come close to the Rebbe Nishloilam through Taylor. And that's, as the Baratayus says, that's the one, one avenue that's open. We're able to reach him through his mantles, that which is revealed. In part, it's to get practical knowledge. The matter is, can't do unless you know. And then I mean, of course, not only the immediate practical details, it's also a question of the depth of, uh, of commitment. Uh, I remember going back like 45 years of meeting all the time. I was spending shops about so late, she the hobby, and uh, he spoke. Uh, he's very much in favor of uh, women learning. He said then, he told, he told me, if I had not learned a Shabbos, I think my Shabbos would be different. He didn't need Hashem, he'd be doing Belakos, a Shabbos, because he wouldn't know what to do. But, Felt that the passion, the relatedness, that had to do with that. These are all the coordinate goals. Uh, how you prioritize them is an issue you need to confront. Sometimes you need to prioritize whether it's a question of the choice of what you're learning, whether it's how you learn some kinds of learning to produce one thing. When the Iyun is going to much more challenging, stimulating intellectually, than if you learn halacha. But in terms of knowing what to do, or something in terms of genuine commitment, that kind of learning may produce other results. So I would very much want to steer clear what I'm going to be the false dichotomy between Talmud and Maaseh, Hiroshi Maaseh, or between character development uh, and learning. What I would, I think we should insist upon for ourselves and our own learning and for Talmidim is what Chazal so much insisted upon, uh, namely that in order to bear the fruit of learning, you have to bring something to us, something spiritual. Chayim the arch patron of Tevel Yishma, he writes, says if a person is, is learning and feels that some of the spirit is beginning to, uh, to evaporate, uh, she closes the mother and learns something, Musa's life system, she's going to work, or takes some time out for, for spiritual pet pet. Of 
was his conceptions there of that with Rav Musa. He quotes the Gemara. Gemara says that need the chaymet of Yerushalayim within the within the caps. He makes cheshbon the portions of Yerushalayim to the very end of the Gemara and speaks of that which is a preservative that you have within the grain. In other words, grain spoils. The preservative is one to one hundred eighty. Then he says, you learn 15 hours, 15 hours a day, so five minutes you should take out to learn, to learn the Musa. Uh, I don't think that's the way that you know, we would approach it, assuming we assume. But Chazal, the emphasis upon the need for approaching learning and the proper spirit, which to some extent means approaching it out of a moonlight. Not, you know, this person was dealing with some system jurisprudence. But beyond that, with the proper reverence or humility, etc., etc., uh, the proper model itself, that is critical. In a broader sense, uh, this is a theme which runs through uh, many educational philosophers. Uh, I mentioned Plato before. Uh, this is uh, one of the linchpins of plain and all platonic tradition. We talk about real knowledge and not superficial information, but real insight. We've got to bring a moral self to, to that. And Suki Sinuma, in Barifabedu, speaks in that vein, all series of my volume. It's an interesting of in Mechaya Latoyva, the Pasik, Eira Sabbat, Eira. So, of course, we finally understand that's to learn Torah, that's not to learn Torah, etc. So, that's one of his interpretations. The other, he says, it all deals with Torah. There's Torah, which is a Chaim and a it's properly approached, and there's Torah, which is a Improperly approached, he refers to the Gemara and Yuma. He's learned that Torah is Sam Moshe Mary Israel. So Robert says, taking the word Sam, which of course we've seen, is equal to Samach. Sometimes Torah is a, in the sense of a potion. It's a potion which gives life, sometimes it's a potion which gives death. So the need for having the proper substratum, that is critical. But we hope very much that the learning itself will generate interest and commitment and will uplift one so that we would regard this as being, I say again, ideally, because I know it doesn't always work, and a kind of dialectical dynamic <laughs> that persons ennobled by the learning, as he's ennobled, so he wants to learn more because um, part of the time that we spent together, um, that we spent together on the FT fellowship program, we'll have to do research projects. And my research project is dealing with um, children at risk, which in Israel is known as El Dekikar, or Kikosh similarities but some differences. This is not the number of... What kind of risk are you talking about? Um, substance abuse, drug abuse, 
alcohol abuse, um, leaving the pad, it heads from religion, it's a family, anything that we can um, pass over under that category. Um, my question is, does the Rod have any thoughts on um, this whole phenomenon as far as, is it, do, do you think that it may be a result of the modern orthodox or that team philosophy? Perhaps maybe it's a weakness in our educational system? And does the Betsy community have the tools within themselves at this point in its development to help fight this, confront it, and help heal the phenomenon? You mentioned different kinds of risks, and some of these are more endemic to one community as opposed to another. One community is supposed to another community. Uh, Clearly, within the, uh, almost by definition, structure is one which involves with new exposure. And that, uh, in and of itself, is not so good. As famous sentences there is, I can't appraise the fugitive towards the virtue, etc., etc. And it makes a great deal of the fact that you want to be exposed and to be challenged and to overcome and build the character that confrontation, not very evasion. Now this is a part of the educational philosophy of the modern orthodox world. Although, honestly speaking, I don't know whether people are involved in this world necessarily derived at this, maybe the Ariya or the equivalent's equivalent. To a great extent, they do not consciously create that situation, they find themselves in that situation. And the reason in that situation, very often it's nothing to do with moral education or religious education. It's to do with all kinds of other things. They don't they want to be part of the world with all of the socioeconomic benefits that accrue to that. They uh, enjoy much of the culture. Uh, they do not see themselves as being teachers and cloisters. The reason that she has nothing to do with the modern character. As some, that the Yevid, you know, having decided to be, some to be open and exposed, for all kinds of other reasons, will then turn around and say, well, actually, it's very good. This for people are challenged, and it's a higher level of commitment, etc. My question the is, who really thought that this is a superior kind of, of faith. Faith which is challenged, and then you, you have to build it, because you question it, and you've overcome it. Of course, that rests on the premise that you overcome it. And the Shirin wrote in this vein, uh, in Chayyim particularly, in terms of Rovis, but the only one, uh, he, I mean, there, Almost, well, I'm pretty sure it's maybe the strongest term, 
but it certainly denigrates faith which is accepted purely by tradition that was handed down to you. Real faith is one which worked out for yourself and built, etc., etc. And the Miris were placed also in this way. But all of that was in the context where they, you know, they felt reasonably certain that when the competition would take place, the end result would be positive. In a modern context, very often it stopped. And that, to, to a certain extent, probably undercuts the principal argument for having this kind of openness, this kind of exposure. Because it's one thing when batting average is very high. It's another thing when it's much lower. It's called Milton before Milton himself. <coughs> now your particular written in 1644. Just curious about who should get into high gear. Everybody got about to write paradise lost after the restoration. And all of his hopes for a better and more religious England of logic been shattered. Paradise lost, this argument is put in the mouth of Satan. He tries to tempt Eve, particularly, when he tells her what, this is what they want, you should confuse the cloister, you have to go out and front. That would be the real virtue. But that, of course, is represented in the satanic argument. And this is an issue which, I think if the modern Orthodox world freed itself from all its other baggage, only to deal with the educational issues as such, probably would be less inclined to the new exposure that it now has than it presently is, when to a certain extent it finds itself in the ever defending situations which exist for, for more material kind uh, of reasons. But once that situation exists, the, the, the dangers are there. But it's not suggest that everything is perfect in the world. Uh, Jewish observer, uh, this whole issue, I can see it's I'm talking about, whole issue of several articles devoted to the problem of uh, substance abuse, etc., in their community, which I understand, they have never had those situations here, there is, it's quite severe. But the numbers is probably greater than the modern Orthodox community. So if you're talking about infections in terms of spiritual and religious identity, there is certain. Is that in and of itself an argument of sufficient force to call for total abandonment of the whole system of modern Orthodox education? Some people contend that is indeed the case. But in practical terms, and I don't, I don't dismiss that. I, I think that is an arguable case. In practical terms, even though I, I think that if that were to be done, there would be a heavy spiritual price that we pay. At the moment I have to argue that the benefits outweigh the loss. But there will be a great loss I think there certainly would be if you resorted to purity and celibacy, a future of course of virtue. But in practical terms, this is an important academic issue. 
There's no question in the modern Orthodox world, even if you and I and many other people come and tell them, throw in the towel, adopt, have any education. They'll never do it. All kinds of other reasons. So, even a person will be committed ideologically, in practical terms, ideologically, to abandoning modern Orthodox education setup. In practice, we'll find that it's there, you have to work with it, and deal with it like the people uh, who are there. How one copes with these, with these problems, uh, there you know, different kinds of problems that, that you have. Uh, issues of skepticism are not the same as the uh, issues that, uh, of drugs. There's a common denominator that both involve uh, abandonment, presumably if you talk about kids who got religious homes, the abandonment of the identity which parents are trying to instill in them, which schools are instilled in them, etc. Some element of rebelliousness. But rebelliousness may be very differently motivated. Some of it is based on intellectual grounds, or maybe even based on moral grounds. Some of it is, is something based on dissipation. Disintegration of moral uh, personality. These have been dealt with in very different ways. To the extent that one can strengthen the bonds to the home, to the values of the home, values of the school, etc., that hopefully should be an antidote for everything. Because then you are dealing with the root rather than the branches. And the root is the person, the boy, the girl, their identity, how they define themselves and with what, with whom they identify. If you get to that, then you don't need to deal in the separately with skepticism, with alcoholism, etc. Many questions which you need to discuss, but not really being challenged. Uh, you're dealing with a person and mold that person in a particular direction. That I think is the, the best way to try to handle it. Once you have to deal with the, the manifestations, the, the symptoms rather than the core health of the, of the person, you're already. Uh, one or two strikes against. Yes? Maybe we have to differentiate here how kind of a dog, or maybe how much we can touch. It's not too much that I can tell you what you got from this, honestly. Uh, uh, I've been out of the world of little criticism in a serious way for longer than, than you've been alive. Uh, and in terms of my own my own training, uh, there was little direct interaction with love the convention, the word halach. Uh, 
my training in learning in Tapatera was pretty much within a classic Shirishabod, one strain or another. And the more literary issues, some of the Nakar uh, people get involved in, were not issues that were very, very central to, to my learning, to my mode of learning. The literary world is one in which issues form, play the role in a way that they did not play, play very much of a role by Thomas Taylor. And of course, the issues that came up in terms of content, uh, those related by and large marginally and peripherally to the world of Allah as such. Uh, and one was a more legal kind of training, and one was a literary kind of training. Where I think that a great deal of fractification was in areas which have to do more with Bakshavir, Meshitabadir, Tanakh, particularly the, partly the narrative, but not only the narrative, also the textual, and then the, and then the narrative, also the structural, textual elements of the parts of Allah, we have Tanakh. Here I found uh, very, very useful. I think uh, quite, a, quite apart from uh, the specific techniques, uh, certain mindset, which I felt that I got there. I once mentioned to someone, a friend of mine is a big veal. So he had a nephew who went to Harvard Business School. And when fellow graduated, so the, uh, the uncle, the Greer, asked him, what did you learn in Harvard Business School? So he said, I learned you can't make money with your own money, only with other people's money. And so the uncle said to him, if that's what you learned, then yeah. And so someone asked him what I learned four years of Harvard graduate, graduate school. But more than anything else, I learned about complexity. Complexity of life, complexity of people, complexity of history, complexity of literary works, etc. That I found to be very enriching in life and in learning in certain areas. There are here and there you know, sugyas which I think something of that resonates. But the notion of the complexity of the sugya, that I could have gotten and got in the world of risk without uh, anything but lyrics. So the interaction as far as the world of Gemara and Halacha is not all that much. Now, where of course there are certain common elements and some issues which arise, but which not everyone says Ms. Medlish has self-confronting. Issues of authorial uh, intent, you know, how do you deal with material that revives somehow disembodied and related to very much involved with question of intention, what you all have to say, etc., etc. These issues cut across various disciplines. People involved in the world of law, jurisprudence, deal with this, people involved in the world of study criticism, deal with it. 
there should be some relation to the world of Alokha as well. What do you, if you're saying Shatnaramba, what is it that you are relating to? Uh, some of these issues, when I was, I was learning, I'm somewhat familiar with out of the literary world. Uh, some of these have been greatly sharpened in the postmodernist stuff, which I know about a little. So, I'm sure that there are people who both involved in learning and in the literary world who uh, involved in cross-fertilization more than I have, if you give the world of Allah. Uh, I've come to view and continue to view uh, the world of more in terms of its own, its own categories, its own terms, where obviously it's a basic level what the text says you need to know. But uh, I cannot tell you that all the things that I do needed to be done in the literary world I find myself doing uh, in the world. Uh, כולנו כאן עוסקים, כל מי שיושב בחדר הזה עוסק בחינוך באיזשהו אופן, בכל מיני מקומות. ואיפה הרב חושב שהיום הוא המקום לכוון בני נוער, אולי גם מבוגרים, המקום שבו צריך להשקיע את המאמצים מכל בחינה שהיא בעשייה כאן בישראל, אולי גם מחוץ לישראל. זה גם הכוונה למבוגרים, זה גם הכוונה לבני נוער שמסיימים תיכון. איפה... צריך לנתן תשומת הלב היום מבחינת המצב, מבחינת הבעיות שמאתגרות היום, במיוחד את הציונות הדתית במצב הנוכחי, בהמשך למה שקשה לנו. אתה מכיר אותי למה היום אומר אתמול. אתה יודע שאני לא אתן לך תשובה אחת. המקום היה ידיעה, כי יש לנו מקום אחד. הייתה לנו להם רובים צריכי המחר והתמצה. מצליחים רובים. זה משימות, אותם מקומות. שעליהם כדאי וצריך להפנות כוחות, מרץ, צעירים ומוגבלים כאחד, יש כאן כמה חזיתות. בגדול, אני חושב, שידוע לך, שהאתגר שעומד לפני הדור הזה ספציפי, הוא ראש ראשונה, אתה מוכן. היה זמן, לא בקום. תחום המדינה, טרום תחום המדינה, שנראה למרכזים כאלה מסוג אחר, היו חקלאים וכלכליים, אז לנסות לבנות יש מאין, איזה כלכלה, עולם של קמח שיוכל להחזיק את עצמו. ואז היו אנשים שהיו להם אמיציות אינטלקטואליות באותו משיכה ראשונה, ואמרו לי, אבל יש פיצות. חוטטי על השלום ושני אחים. שגדלו בווילנה, הלכו ללמוד בגרמניה, וציונים. ומה הלכו ללמוד? מה שהכי מרוויח, מה שהכי מעניין. ושהיום, הוא מדברו של צעירים, חושבים מה איזה סוכה ילד היא הכי מזירה. שלחו ארצה לשאול מה צריכים בארץ. וזה מה שלמדו, אחד מעשר רופא, איזה רופא נייד באזור חיפה. 
הולך על חמורו מכפר לכפר, ואחד נעשה בטרינר, סיילת, זה דחה, קטן אחרת, קטן אחרת. היום בקושי תמצא אנשים שחושבים על החלטה. ומבחינה אובייקטיבית, זה באמת פחות דרוש. יש הרבה בעיות כלכליות, גם במדינה. הרבה כלכליות, הן יותר בעיות של חלוקה, חלוקה צודקת והוגנת, מאשר גודל ארוכה. אני רוצה להגיד גם כן את הארוכה. אבל גודל ארוכה, גם אם יהיה חולים כאפשר להביא איזשהו מיתון, אז מה יצא להיות משהו אחורה לפני חמש שנים. הרי בעיתונים שאומרים לך, זה חוזר מה שלפני שנתיים, פשוט הבעיות, מה שלפני שנתיים, או רמת חיים, אפשר לחשוב שלפני שלוש שנים כולנו היינו רעבים ללכת, מה יש? ובבחינה זו, אני יכול להתייצג, אם כי בעיית חלוקת העוגה ודאי בעיה מאוד בוקרת. אבל מה שאנחנו צריכים ראש ראשונה זה פן הרוחני. אז אין לי מכמה בחינות. כמובן, מבחינה דתית מובהקת, בסופו של דבר זה העיקר, כך נוצרת, זה המטרה הזאת. אם המשנה אומרת שמי קמח יותר מתראי קמח, כמובן אין הכוונה לשניהם באותה רמה. אחד מהמחזות של מוליאר, יש מי שאומר שאדם צריך לאכול כדי לחיות, או לחיות כדי לאכול. זה אלפייס, זה מבחינת עצמם, שאנשים ימצאו תוכן בחיים, תוכן מוכנים, תוכן מוסרי. בשורה התחתונה, איכות החיים המוכנית הזאת, גם הערובה הקריטית והנחוצה ביותר, גם בקיומנו, בכושר שלנו לשרוד, גם מבחינה לאומית. זה לא כדי למנוע ירידה. יש אנשים מוכנים להיאבק על המדינה, צריכים להרגיש שבאמת יש פה משהו שמשלם אותם, שמעניין אותם, שמעניין אותם. והם צריכים גם כן, כמו שלצערנו, יש בזה נסיגה לא, לא קטנה. צריכים יותר להתעלות מאותן נטיות אקוצנטריות, שמצד אחד כל כך מתבעות לעומק בנפש האדם, והביסודו מאוד מאוד אגואיסטי. ומצד שני, גם כן פרי תרבות קלוקלת, שהם יונקים התרבות המערבית הדומיננטית היום, שהיום ארצות הברית ואף אחד לא עשה פיסקו, אחד דואג לעצמו, מה יקדם אותו, מה יספק את היצרים, את האבות וכו'. צריך לעשות לעודד אנשים, לדבר לצעירים המבוגרים, להעלות ענף המוכנים, בהתנהגויותיו השונות. וזה במידה מסוימת, עובדי אנשים לפנות לכיוונים בחיים שיתרמו לך. לא כל כך תמים לחשוב שאדם נבחר קריירה רק לשם שמיים, אבל שאני גם אצא בחשבון. גם 
בין שישמיים זה שישמיים דתי. אפילו יש כאלה שם שמיים במירכאות חילוני. משהו יותר אידיאליסטי. היה זמן שבשנתיין את המדינה כאן רק כל כך אירוע של אידיאליזם. זה לצערנו הרב נשמע. אבל עצוב שאני לא אחזיר אותך לירושלים. מבחינת אורח חיים, מקומות מגונים וכולי וכולי. בעצם מבוגרים שכבר נמצאים בכיוון מסוים מבחינת תעסוקתם ומקומם. גם לגביהם, גם אם זה לא נקבע איזה תחום הם יעסקו, אבל אולי ישפיע אלה כיצד יעסקו בתחום הזה. מאוד מאוד מאמין בך שחשוב מה אדם עושה, כיצד הוא עושה, למה הוא עושה. שאני גם כן באתי לדעת מעורבות בסביבתם, בדאגה לסביבה, במקום הדאגה האובססיבית לא פעם לעצמם. הדברים שאני מדבר עליהם יכול להיות שמי שיחשוב שאיך שיהיה איזה מחיר חברתי-כלכלי, יכול להיות, אבל אני די משוכנע ששאלת כמה אתה עושה את הקמח וכמה בתורה, זה בכלל פונקציה אחת בריצה. אדם שרעב ללחם, לא יכול לבוא להטיף לו, תעזוב את הכל, לשבת עם אדם שנמצא ברמה כלכלית סבירה, אתה יכול לבוא ולומר, תשמע, פלוס מינוס, אם יש לך, לא מאוזנים עליך שיהיה חייב, שפת המלך תוקעי, אבל תשמור, רמת חיים סבירה, וכעת לעשות יותר באיכות חיים מוכנים. המדינה כיום היא מצב שאמרתי לפני כן, לא צריכה לדאוג לפת המלח, למים במצורה, למישור על הארץ, פלוס מינוס, צריכים להיות פיתוי משוויץ, בגלל שוויצרי וארצות הברית, בסדר, באמצע גם כן, גם כן בסדר. ומילא גם לדעתי החובה, גם היכולת, עושה יותר דברים שהם איכות חיים, גם מוכנים, גם על חשבון, קצת קמח, זה כיוון שאני אקונדיה לא דייל אותו, אבל לא כך ככה. שתלמיד שמגיע אלינו, כל אחד מבין שבאמת, מגיע עם עולם עולם שלם שהוא בא ממנו, ואני מרגיש שתמיד יש איזושהי התלבטות ביחס לעולם הזה, כמה אנחנו רוצים להשתמש בו, ולפעמים לפעול אפילו נגדו. אני רוצה לשאול את הרב ספציפית לגבי משפחה והורים, זו התלבטות שאני נתקל הרבה פעמים להתחמק, גם לגבי מידת המעורבות, שהמידה שהתחלתי מאוד רציתי עכשיו לפעמים אני נתקל בתגובות שקשה לי. הרי בתהורים, בתהורים שלך. כשאתה תהיה מעורב במשפחה או שאתה תהיה מעורב במה שאתה עושה? 
אני יכול להבין מי שחושב ככה, אבל זה מקומם אותי. חושב שאידיאלית, צריך לחשוב מצב שאפשר לעבוד יחד עם ההורים. ואני רואה בזה חשיבות כפולה. א', מבחינה מוסרית, ואיכו שניהם יחדיו, זה צריך להיות השאיפה. ב', אני מבין אותך שאתה אומר, רוצה לנתק את הבן מהאב, שכל עוד שהוא קשור באב או באם, אז הוא לא יכול כל כך לספוג את המסרים שלך. אבל ברגע שאתה מנתק אותם, אתה גם מוותר על האפשרות דרך הבן או הבת לחכה משהו בתוך הבית. כדי, אני לא חי באשליות. אני מתאר לעצמי שמספר הבתים שבצורה בסיסית השתנו תוך כך שהבן שלהם עמד אצלך לא, לא בשמיים. זה לא אומר שאתה מחנך צעיר, אתה מחנך ותיק, זה לא קורה כל כך הרבה. אבל אני חושב שאנחנו מחנכים תלמידים, חושבים נוהג על מהפכות. ודאי, אם אתה נמצא במקום כמו בוער, לדוגמה, אתה יודע שהאחוז שומרי השבת שיצאו מתחת ידך לא גדול. אבל אתה יכול, זה ניגש לזה באחריות. זה שאתה מבין שהשאלה שאנחנו צריכים לעסוק בה זה לא רק בזה שאומרים שבת בלי התפילין או לא. גם כשהוא מחלל שבת, מה היחס לו לשבת, בצורת החילור, האם הוא אכיס או תיאבור, האם הוא עדיף שהמישהו בשבת זה פה יום השלישי, או נגרוע מיום השלישי, או איזה יום שאיך שהוא מכיר ברמת זוכר בייחודו, גם כשהוא כותב בסרט טלוויזיה. זה אומר לדעתי, זה מאוד חשוב לנו. גם כשבר למעשה, הוא נשאר טוב אחד לשבת לפני ברגע שאתה מנתק, אז אתה אולי יוצא מצב שבו אתה יכול להשפיע יותר על הילד, אבל הוא יותר קליל לאפשרות לוותר על הבית. וכאן צריך לעשות אפילו קצת שיקול דעת. ושיקול הדעת הזה הוא נראה לי נקודתי, אבל בשתי רמות. יכול להיות נקודתי ממש, אם אתה מצליח לבודד בחור או בחורה אחת מהשני. כלומר, בילד הזה אני, כשאני רואה אותו עכשיו מכיר את הבית, אני צריך לפעול לנתק. אולי לא להמליד, או לדבר נגד, אבל לעשות לבודד. השני, תעבור עבור. משתדל שיהיו יחד, ושאחרי שנמשוך אליי את הילד, אז באמצעותו אני משאיר גם את הבית. יכול להיות שזה לא עניין נקודתי, אבל אתה צריך להגיד איזושהי שיפוט לגבי כיתה שלמה. אם אתה בבית ספר איקס, אז אתה מבין שהסיכוי להחדיר קצת ידישקייט, רק אם אתה חושך אנשים יותר בבית. ספר אחר, מסר ראשונה. צריך להיות מודעות כאן, זה על הפני שכל העולם החינוך, זאת אומרת, כשאישה דיפרנציאלית, שחושבת באוכלוסיות, מי הם החניכים, מי אפשר רק לבוא עם משתתך הסגורה בידך, או להלביש אותה, ויהיו יותר תלמידים ממי שלא יהיו.
שאני מאוד לא, מאוד לא מרוצה מגישות שעקרונית, ריש גלי ממרידים נגד ההורים. יש דברים שצריכים לבוא ולעשות, להוציא אנשים מתוך אותו החי, אבל בלי לקומם נגדו. וזה לא רק מקום שאתה נמצא בו, מה שאני נמצא בו. נגיד תלמיד הישיבה, אז הם מגיעים, הם עצמם דתיים, שומרי מצווה, והיו אלמלא רצו ללמוד תורה במידה לא מגיעים בכלל, יש עוד קצת אחרות. אבל רבים מהם באים מבתים ומסביבה, וגם רבים זה גם כמטען הרוחני שבו הם באים. המצוות רדודה, רדודה הכוונה היא גם בכלל דמוטיבציה ומשהו אילת פרטי. גם מבחינת מידת הדקדוק והזהירות. עכשיו לפני כן בקשר לעולם הספרות, יש מסע שבו עשה אותי של ספרות אנגלית בשם די איום, ראשית במאה ה-20. הוא כותב שם השוואה בין שירה לבין פרוזה, ובמיוחד שהוא תפס את השירה. הוא כותב נגד השירה הרומנטית, שישרה איזה מסך עשן ענתון כזה. של שטף של רגש של מלך, אני לא יודע כאילו איתו, אבל יש אנשים שבעלי מלאכה, יש בה מלאכה שעושה לך רהיט, והקצוות זה פלוס מינוס, ויש לזה שחותך את זה במדויק, אבל שירה צריכה לדעת כאילו את זה. אני חושב לא פעם על הקטע הזה, שירת המצוות, פלוס מינוס, יש בדקדוק ודאי כאילו. ולא בכדי מדברים על מי שמדקדק במצווה. זה לגבי הוגדרו שתלמידים שמגיעים חסר. ומשתנים מחנך לזה, כל מיני דרכים. אבל אני אראה שלא פעם זה יכול ליצור בעיות. זה מנסה להעלות את הרף שלהם, מקווה שכולם גם תתרף בבית. כשמתעוררות בעיות, היו שואלים, זה בבית כן, נגיד ככה, נגיד אחרת, לא בשאלות שבחירות חולים, אבל בדברים שהם גבוליים, הם חייבים לבוא בשבת, אז זו שאלה שצריך להתייחס אליה, שצריכה להיות רגישות לבתים, להורים, בו זמנים, לעשות את הרב, אבל גם כשאתה מעלה את הרב, לא רק בולדוזר, אלא רגישות, עד השם והיום, איך יורד, אז תבין את זה, כך כך אנשים. אז יש לי שאלה שמישהו חושב, One more question. Okay, last question. Uh, it's 
Is there a recent work? A TV news. A TV news. Some of them have to do, depending on what era you're talking about, with specifics of ministry days. Uh, certain kinds of historical scholarships, certain kinds of archaeological studies, etc., will possibly contravene what you have in Tanakh, will contravene things you find in Hazal, etc., etc. This is one kind of issue. But then there's another kind of issue which has to do with the historicization per se. Hasn't once wrote grammatically uh, said people say, ah, I wish they'd known Shakespeare. He says, I'm glad that I didn't know Shakespeare. If you knew Shakespeare, he says, what would I know? He sees laundry mills, uh, see him drinking in a pub, etc., etc. I would have the real life Shakespeare in front of me. There's one actor amongst other actors. But now he says, have Shakespeare, the immortal bard, he would have gotten lost in all the story, in the historical recreation of another actor hanging around the globe theater. That's part of what some people are afraid of too. Some people who sense things more than Hassan, Sulaim, and Medisa, in the world of the Shaman, giants, you get up the nuts and bolts. So all of a sudden, maybe one morning you'll wake up, so what do you say? It's like Tehran Das, the Chaimbalit, like the meal in front of it. You deal with the Balatasis, one student took notes, another one transferred it to somebody else. And uh, that's the way it circulated, you know, the way Chaim met Talmidim, and those Talmidim heard Shurim, and they took notes to Shurim, and these were then transcribed by the Talmidim, and they made the rounds of the Talmidim and Shivas, and that's what it was. And for a certain, in a certain sense, that is what it was. But in another sense, the trivialization and the idealization of the world of Torah and its past, which is at the heart of much of our appreciation of that world and our commitment to it, people are afraid something's going to get lost. In reading about uh, Rashi's wine dealings, something of the Wafkadish in Rashi, even if you don't literally believe in Wafkadish, something of that sense which, which we enjoy from Malamedes' children, it's going to get lost. Now, this, of course, is a very central issue which has to do with 
historical scholarship generally, uh, you know, more romantic views of history as opposed to others, and where you stand with the hero worship, are you in Karl's camp, and other people's camp, etc., etc. But for us, this is not just a question of pro Carlisle, anti Carlisle. For us, it's a question of where we stand vis a vis the old Messiah of Taylor. This, irrespective, I say again, of specific content, but the ability to, to be awed and overawed, that's something which you very much want to have. It is something which, by and large, the secular world doesn't have, and by and large, most of the stock world doesn't have. Maybe the Rabbi King Stimch is a man named Douglas Bush. Came in Toronto, it was an argument. And that little book on the title of Renaissance and Humanism, there he has a paragraph which deals with how contemporary scholar and critic stands behind certain folds and the archived files and computers. And he uh, says, supposed that, and to that he opposes Erasmus standing before the portrait of Socrates, and standing there, he says, Sancta Socrates, ora pro nobis. Saint Socrates, pray for us. Bush asked, where is their modern historical critic who has such Socrates to lead? He can ask to pray. And there's some concern that this historical scholarship might have that effect. I don't say it's situation, it must have that. But there are many instances in which indeed that's what happens. Not the conscious debunking of the illustration type, but kind of insidious and automatic lowering of stature that people who almost saw it being 10 feet tall all of a sudden they begin to look a little bit more the way where you are. That's that is a problem with some people as well. Um, now, I'm talking about a certain kind of population. I don't know who we discussed here at Tim meetings. Clearly, if you're talking about kids who don't have this all together, and I'm talking about in the sense of their identity, uh, they now think that whoever lived before was four feet tall. You're going to get them to realize that they're six feet tall, then you've done something for their attachment to them, to those in the past, something for your attachment, for their attachment, tradition to the server, etc. So for, for many populations, I said here now, it's totally irrelevant. Uh, given the roots in the past, historical identity, sense of continuity, that can only enhance their richness, their spiritual and their Jewish identity. But I sense in your question that you understand that some people do have reservations. So for other kinds of populations, I think the concerns that I mentioned do exist. If I can be presumptuous, uh, I think a longer answer appears in an essay which you wrote, uh, which Rebbe Lechstein wrote, which appears in that volume edited by J.J. Schechter, where you discuss history and literature yeah. and uh, some of the other topics addressed tonight. So, um, that's not a sales pitch. We don't get a company. <laughs> <laughs> um, we want to thank Rabbi Lichtenstein uh, for making time to be with us. Um, 
Rabbi Lichtenstein began by saying that we don't have all of the questions and uh, he put forth that he doesn't have all the answers. Uh, but I know that uh, one of Rabbi Bravinder's uh, goals we talked earlier about explicitly.